From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. My name is Sophia Osborne, and I'll be your host for the next half hour of environmental news, stories, and ideas. You might be listening to this episode in your car, or on the bus, or at home in the bath. Maybe you're cooking dinner or folding laundry. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I invite you to spend the next half hour on a walk with me. Not just any walk, not a frantic walk to class or to grab Starbucks, but a pandemic walk. You probably know what I'm talking about. I see the pandemic walk as one that you take almost every day to clear your head, to just get outside after another day of being shut in talking to friends and coworkers over Zoom or Google Meets, to remind yourself that somehow the world has kept spinning. There are still squirrels flinging themselves from trees and birds singing and building nests, and the sun is still bright, and maybe, maybe things will be okay. It's a lot of pressure to put on a walk, but I know for myself and many people, pandemic walks were one of the only things that kept us sane this last year of constant abnormality. So today, I want to celebrate the pandemic walk. I want to talk about why pandemic walks became the salve they have been for so many people. I want to talk about how to have a better walk. And I want to talk about keeping daily walks and access to nature as an accessible practice going forward. And so I've spoken with two researchers, Dr. Holly Ann Passmore and Emily Rugel, who study nature and mental health. And I have brought in some reinforcements in the form of lovely Terra informers who will tell you about their pandemic walks. But before we begin this episode, we would like to acknowledge that this episode was produced in Treaty 6 territory in Amiskwichi, Wiskaigan, Beaver Hills House, or so-called Edmonton. We are broadcasting from unrecognized Papa's Chase Cree territory. The Papa's Chase Cree were displaced following consistent efforts from local officials like Frank Oliver to discredit the legitimacy of their treaty right to this territory and to reserve number 136, now South Edmonton. Not confined to history, this region is also the present homelands of many First Peoples who build their lives here, pursue livelihoods, and gather together, including Cree, Métis, Blackfoot, and Dene. Wherever you're listening from, we ask you to consider whose version of history informs your understanding of the land you are on. And wherever you're walking, think about who walked that land long before you. For me, I live in so-called Vancouver, the ancestral and current home of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Nations. As a settler, it's all too easy to walk without thinking about how this land has been stolen. As we talk in this episode about accessibility to nature, let us not forget about the colonial system that has barred Indigenous peoples from their own land and continues to do so in so many ways. Okay. Oh, it is hotter than I thought outside. So this is Hannah Cunningham. 
I'm one of the co-coordinators for Terra Informa and I am out on my daily walk. It's about quarter to 12 and I'm out with my dog Olive, which is a great way for me to get outside every day because she has to get outside every day. I think that, well, especially on a day like today, I had a meeting this morning. I'm working from home. I'm doing my graduate studies from home right now, working towards my master's. And I find that taking a walk can really help just like clear my head. This morning I had a meeting and it was really good, but I find that I can feel a little scrambled after and I was just feeling anxious, like in a good way, I guess. Just lots of thoughts and things going on and lots of work to get done. So I was finding it hard to kind of focus on keeping working. So walk break is always nice. I find that it helps to clear my head. I find that if I can just get outside and expend some energy, either through just like a nice walk or through a run... I find I get back and I'm usually in a way better mood. Nope, oh, that's garbage. Come on. Jacinta coming to you from a park by my house in South Edmonton on a Saturday morning. I can see lots of people enjoying the day. There appears to be a bath, no, baseball game going on with some young kids. They look like they're having fun and a couple people having picnics. And a couple people walking through the park like I am. To me, pandemic walks represent a break from work, from school, and just a chance to get uh, free from the different distractions I have at home and to just enjoy the day. wore on. I feel like I had so many conversations like these with friends and family. It seemed like everyone was going for some kind of daily walk as a form of escape. And yeah, getting out into nature helps mental health, right? That seems obvious, I guess. But when I thought about it, I didn't really know why. I wanted to talk to a psychologist about this phenomenon and what exactly makes these pandemic walks so effective. So I called up Dr. Holly Ann Passmore, a friend of Terra Informa who has been on the show before, most recently to talk about her research on eco-anxiety. But she also studies the effects of everyday nature on mental health. I thought she would be the perfect person to talk to about my fascination with the pandemic walk. 
Well, hello, and so thank you so much for having me here today. So I'm Dr. Holly Ann Passmore, and I'm an assistant professor of psychology at Concordia University of Edmonton, and I'm also the director of the Nature, Meaning, and Life Lab. I was wondering if you could talk a bit just generally about your research into connecting with everyday nature. Yeah, that's such an important aspect of our well-being and something that gets so incredibly overlooked by most of us. Of course, we know that getting out into the wilds of nature, right, getting out to Jasper or Banff or whatever, well, that's all great. Um, We really overlook just the everyday kinds of nature. And in the research that I've done, and I've done this, I think it's about 1,600 participants so far, actually, in three different countries, Canada, China, and a small sample in the U.S., What, what I found in my research is when people just simply notice how the everyday nature makes them feel. That's the entire intervention. It's just just for two weeks, just don't change your routine. Just notice how the everyday around you make, uh, nature around you makes you feel. And people's levels of well-being have been impacted beneficially enormously. And we found positive, uh, positive emotions, feeling happy, so to speak, goes up. But also things like just feeling elevated. And and this is a really interesting emotion because this is something that we know that noticing nature has a big impact on. And that's not just feeling elevated, feeling up, but also feeling a sense of wonder and being really deeply moved and profoundly touched by life. And the last aspect of well-being that noticing nature, everyday kinds of nature that we know is greatly impacted is a general sense of connectedness. So this is just feeling connected to to other people and to nature and to to really just all of life. And and that's been so important in all. It's always important to us. It's a basic human need. But in particular, this last year with COVID is to feel that sense of, of connectedness and that you're part of something bigger. Yeah, that's amazing. And like you said, it's so relevant right now. And that's something that I really wanted to talk to you about is you know, do you think that this has kind of gone up during COVID with this routine that a lot of people have of the pandemic walk? And I know I've personally found a lot of solace in going for a daily walk, like sometimes for like an hour and a half. Yeah, I was just wondering what your take is on the pandemic walk. So Yes, I mean, we certainly know that that walking by and by itself, right, is going to boost people's well-being. We recently, we don't, we haven't published this data yet, but looked at how people thrive during COVID. I think that uh, just anecdotally, and this is not research-based, but uh, anecdotally, I'm, I've always, I've lived in Riverdale for a lot of years, and I've never seen this many people in, especially through the Dawson Park dogwoods, I've never seen this many people in the River Valley. And that's a really good thing that people not just are getting out and moving, exercising, that's really important, but they're doing it in in nature. And we certainly know there's data coming in from around the world, the UK and different, I think there was one in the States as well, but different parts of the world showing how people really have turned to nature more during this pandemic. And, and definitely it's something that's, you know, it's easily accessible. And it's one of those things that we just don't notice it in our everyday routine, but that during COVID we've started to notice that. And one of the things I think that that's so important to get across to people, and this is data from, from my research that, and from my research in many areas, it's not the amount of time. So yes, if you can get out for an hour and a half, 
oh my gosh, of course, go for it. Get out there, move, do that, particularly in a natural environment. At the same time, I think it's really important that we understand that in all of those studies I've done, it's not time in nature. Like when I have done experiments, people who have those big boosts in well-being and happiness and feeling connected, moved and all these things, it wasn't that they were spending more time in nature than people in the other conditions. The only difference was they noticed the nature around them. Yeah, I wanted to ask if you had any advice for when people are doing these walks, because sometimes I'll go on the walks and, you know, I won't listen to anything. Or sometimes I'll listen to music or a podcast, or sometimes I'll talk to a friend or, yeah, like, is there anything that you found that's more effective? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that we all have really fallen prey to in our society for the last couple of decades is this whole thing of always being busy, right? And always having you know, some kind of thing plugged in our ears, some kind of thing that's taken us away from the moment. And if you're going on a walk, and this isn't just, you know, a nature walk, any kind of walk, be present in the moment. Don't take your phone. Don't take the headphones. Don't even necessarily go with somebody else, although of course that's fine to do as well. But it's about look at what's around you. Notice, notice, notice what's around you. And that's the biggest thing. It doesn't take extra time necessarily, but it has a number of benefits, not just for noticing nature, but for noticing other people, noticing your own emotions. It it makes you present in your life. And that's something I, I think we've really forgotten to do. And there's a practice called an awe walk, and it certainly can be done in nature, but it can really be done, it can be done downtown. It can be done anywhere you want. And that's about going for a walk with the intention of looking around and finding something to be in awe of. So I I really think so key to all of this is, is in some ways, you know, mindfulness. It's paying attention to what's around you and and, and not, not always having something, you know, being glued to our cell phones or having some kind of something. (laughs) That's just such a huge factor in well-being. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I feel like I learned a lot. I'm going to I'm going to go for a walk now without my phone <laughs> and just go enjoy. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I do think that's just a huge thing. Perfect. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. got off my Zoom call with Dr. Passmore, I felt inspired to get out for my daily walk. But this time, I left my phone at home. I looked at the light through the trees and heard the sound of my crunching footsteps and watched the way the wind made the leaves shiver like chimes. I thought about my life, what I was grateful for, what I truly care about. I let my mind wander over my thoughts, grounded in the feeling of my feet against the rocky path. Most of all, I thought about how lucky I am to have access to all this. A shady path that stretches on for kilometers so close to my house. A view of the ocean peeking through the trees. I wanted to talk about this more. What it means to be able to get out into nature. So I slid into the Twitter DMs of Emily Rugel. 
So my name is Emily Rubel, and I'm a postdoctoral research fellow at Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, British Columbia, but basically just outside of Vancouver. But I'm currently working as a visiting researcher at the Westmead Applied Research Center in Sydney, Australia. And my PhD work actually was based in Vancouver, Canada, where I developed different kind of models of access to a whole range of forms of nature, both green space, such as parks and street trees and blue space like rivers, oceans and lakes. And my work in general is really interested in looking at the ways that different forms of community design, including natural spaces, can support our social ties, mental health, and healthy aging across the lifespan. I asked Emily how people's relationships with nature have changed during the pandemic. I mean, I think a very common experience has been people's levels of stress, anxiety, and depression have really been heightened during the pandemic. Um, And I actually just helped co-author an article led by um, Michael Alusuguru, who's part of the cohort lab, which is where I'm based in at SFU, even though I'm not really based there. And we found that among people living particularly in Vancouver, 15% of participants reported experiencing anxiety symptoms and 17% of people reported symptoms consistent with depression. And when we look at that compared to kind of normal times, looking at something like, again, that Canadian Community Health Survey, those numbers are much lower. So in that CCHS, only 2.6% of participants had that same level of anxiety symptoms and only 4.7%. So three and 5% had depression. This has also been found true in other places around the globe. So in places like Barcelona, Spain, where people were really restricted to their homes, children weren't even allowed to go outside and play to go to the park alone we've also found these increases. What's great is that people have really found that nature, nearby nature, nature within their homes has really been a balm for a lot of people during COVID-19. Yeah, I definitely wanted to ask you about that because the episode is about pandemic walks and I've definitely found that they have been so yeah, such a bomb for me. Like I, I was living in Scotland when the pandemic hit and I was there for a few months. That was a really strict lockdown there where you were only allowed to go outside for one time a day, like outside of your house. So we would take our like one walk a day. And that was really, it felt like kind of the one thing keeping me sane. And then when I came back to Vancouver, go, going for walks every day, like for like an hour, an hour and a half to just get out of the house and like feel something. Yeah, I was wondering if you had any thoughts about this as like a a ritual. Yeah, so I think it's really important to kind of look back at what we know before the pandemic as well. And a lot of research in this field has actually looked at exactly those walks you were talking about. So a lot of the findings early on came from taking people in two different walks. So one in nature, often in a park or an arboretum, and one in kind of crowded city streets. And then they would bring people back into labs and do all sorts of tests and find that both of them have benefits, right? So we know that just exercise in general has benefits for our mental health, but they saw much higher benefits generally for people who'd gone on the nature walks. 
So we, I think, knew as researchers and as scientists before this, that nature could provide those benefits. But I think people have actually found that to be even more true in these really stressful times. And what's great is that when we look at other surveys, people have also really reported much higher use of and connection to nearby nature. So there was a study in Canada conducted by park people, and they found that 70% of the people they spoke with across 50 cities in Canada said that their appreciation for nature had really increased as a result of the pandemic. This is also true sometimes for just having nature on your balcony or patio or even inside. So there have been studies that have looked at indoor gardening or, you know, pot plants on your balcony and found that they were linked to, again, these reductions in stress, lower levels of anxiety and depression. So what's great is that some of these are things that we can do for ourselves. So something like buying and taking care of a plant, even if you don't necessarily have outdoor space. And some of them are things that I think will hopefully reshape the way that cities provide access to nature to ensure that everyone can have that little bit near their home. Particularly, I don't know, in Scotland, did you have a geographic restriction at all? Could you, it was an hour, but you could go anywhere or did you have to stay within a certain distance of your home? Yeah, you, you basically weren't allowed to drive somewhere else to go for a walk, which I was really fortunate to be staying with a friend's family outside of Glasgow. So we were in the countryside and it was really easy to go for a walk. But if I had been staying like in my university residence, it would have been pretty rough to yeah just be walking there. There wasn't very much nature. It was really like tenement buildings and stuff. So yeah. So even now it's just ending, but even Within the past month in Melbourne, which is just down the coast from where I live in Sydney, they were only allowed to go out for two hours a day, but also they had to stay within five kilometers of their home. So you can imagine someone like you who lived in a kind of very dense urban area that maybe didn't have that access to green space would be disadvantaged compared to someone who lived in a much leafier suburb. And we know that there are those huge variations in access. In Vancouver, we technically, generally, we see this as kind of this east-west divide where the west side of the city is kind of the wealthier and greener part. And then the the east side is maybe has fewer parks. Yeah, I'm definitely finding that just like I actually just moved into the city. Like I was living in Horseshoe Bay, so I could just walk down to the ocean, go to like a really nice trail that felt like you were completely in nature, you know, so it's it's definitely an adjustment like to kind of constantly be around yeah city noise and stuff like that it's yeah it's it's different yeah and I mean I think that also gets back to this point of why we need to both measure and provide access to different forms of nature so you might live in a neighborhood that has really healthy mature trees that provide a lot of shade which is really important especially as cities in Canada start getting hotter and hotter due to the effects of climate change. But if you want to do a longer walk, you still need a trail. If you want to, you know, be able to get into the water on a kayak, then you need to have access to blue space. So again, I think it's really important that we make sure that everyone has access to nature, but also that everyone has access to the great variety of nature. So I think the last thing I just want to talk about is 
kind of one of the silver linings to the really dark cloud of COVID-19. And that's been both, as I said, you know, people themselves have become more engaged with nature and their studies. There was one from the National Trust in the UK that found that people really plan on maintaining a stronger connection with nature. So more than half of the people they spoke with plan to spend more time in nature following the pandemic. And cities themselves, some of them have reshaped in kind of temporary ways. So I don't know if you were in Vancouver when they closed down the roads in Stanley Park to car traffic, but there have been these other movements like open streets and a shift to low traffic neighborhoods. So I think the hopeful note is that both what we've learned about our own engagement with nature and these kind of broader urban planning and policy decisions will be maintained even after the pandemic is over. And so, if you can, I urge you to get out there. Bask in the sun, move your legs, use your ears to really listen. And think about how you can push yourself, in whatever city you live in, for more of this. More access to nature, more time to just be. That's all the time we have for this week. But I wanted to leave you with one last pandemic walk. This is from Tara and former Sonic Patel, and I love what he had to say. But before we get to that, thanks for listening. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. I wrote and produced this episode, but I also wanted to say thank you to Hannah Cunningham, Jacinta Royengeza, and Sonic Patel for sharing their pandemic walks with us. You can reach us for comments or questions via email, terra at cjsr.com, or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. Catch you next week right here on Terra Informa. Hello, listeners. This is Sonic Patel. Pretty much every day for the duration of this pandemic, I have gone for a walk. Usually just to break up the day, get some fresh air, and compensate for the fact that I spend most of my day sitting at my computer. And in these times, the strangest piece of infrastructure has been a salvation. A couple of blocks from my house, there is a utility corridor for power lines. At the base of these multi-story metal behemoths, there is a pathway that I inevitably find myself on when I go for walks and runs that connects me to all sorts of places near me. Bisecting this utility corridor is a stormwater area, which is where I am now. This natural space and pond is a haven for all sorts of wildlife, some of which you might even hear in the background. There's a lot of birds, like magpies and blackbirds and ducks, and right now they're little ducklings splashing about in the stream, and geese and their fuzzy little goslings. And sometimes you might even spot a coyote, sheepishly staring at you from behind some trees. And I suppose right now, it's also a haven for me.
It's the kind of place where if you find the right spot and you tune out some of the human noises in the background, you might even forget that you're in a big city. And briefly, you might even forget the stress of trying to write a thesis during a worldwide pandemic. I like coming for walks because for the last year, the world has felt kind of small. Not just physically, because I spend my time in one of three rooms, but also socially, because at home, I just don't see a lot of people anymore. And so I like to come out here, touch some grass, hear some birds, and be part of this ecosystem. This has been Sonic Patel, pontificating on pandemic promenades. Thanks for listening. <laughs>